Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Yeah, it was a really bad moment for me because I feel that at that point is when execution matter more than any pitch you can throw, you know? So I feel that whenever I miss my execution of, of my pitchers, like in that moment, it's just like gets to me. But what I can do is just uh, keep working on it um, and just uh, make those adjustments real quick. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. That was the voice of Adbert Alzali after his start the other night. Uh, thank you to The Score for providing that uh, clip. And we are back inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score for another hour of fun. With Bruce Levine, I'm David Haw. And Bruce, you know, we are pleased now to go out to the guest hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, the home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find Craig Breslow, the Cubs assistant general manager and pitching coordinator. Good morning, Craig. Welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, it has been a difficult stretch here lately for the Cubs. We heard from Jed Hoyer the other day, but I think that as we pivot here at midseason near the All-Star break, Craig, just when you look at the young Cub pitchers, we heard from Adbert Alzali, who has played a big role in this rotation the first half and certainly has a promising future ahead of him. How would you assess the young Cub pitching prospects and the ones who might be on the verge of, of joining the, the, the Major League roster, guys like Justin Steele, and, and where where you are as an organization in terms of developing that talent? Sure. Uh, I, I think it's exciting. I think it's promising. Um, but I think there's there's still obviously room to develop. Um, you know, I think we, we saw the emergence of a handful of guys in the first half here, um, guys that maybe uh, weren't, we didn't intend on, on counting upon um, to make such sizable contributions. But, but obviously we're certainly fortunate and, and glad that they did. Um, and I think it's been uh, a really valuable proof of concept that what, what we're attempting to do, um, what is you know, kind of seeping into the lower levels of, of our development apparatus is working. Um, so we'll certainly continue on, on this path, and, and hopefully there will be others to join. Um, you know, Justin and Keegan, uh, we saw Tommy Nance and Brad Wick has taken a step forward, uh, and, and a handful of others uh, very soon. Craig, uh, where are you at as a uh, individual who runs a good portion of the organization and and the organization's theory on openers? Uh, the Cubs appears will have a good opportunity 
in the second half to look at a steal uh, back in a role as a, a starting pitcher. It's already been alluded to by, by Jed Hoyer. And uh, in that role, having been uh, the arm shortened up for a while as a reliever needs to get stretched out, uh, where are you at as far as uh, somebody like Steele uh, in the second half, you know, looking like a two, three inning pitcher to, to start a ball game? Yeah, well, I think uh, where, where I am personally, and, 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 you know, there's obviously a broader conversation to take place within the organization, is that I think we need to be uh, open-minded, um, you know, about employing creativity to, to, to solve, um, you know, a, a problem. And it has been no secret. I don't think anyone has run from uh, kind of the struggles to develop uh, homegrown starting pitching. And I do think there's reason for, for optimism in, in, you know, a handful of the names that we had just mentioned, as well as kind of another wave uh, in the minor leagues. But, you know, I think we've, we've had some conversations about, you know, our willingness to be creative. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it could turn out that the, the best solution to this problem isn't, um, you know, five starters that we're counting on to pitch, you know, into the sixth or seventh inning. Um, but, but if we got that, we'd be, we'd be equally happy, I, I assure you. We're talking with Craig Breslow, the assistant general manager for the Cubs and pitching coordinator. And, and Craig, we heard from Adbert Alzali coming into this segment, and we have watched him over 15 starts in the first half. And he's on pace for a ride around 150 innings. I just wonder, we heard from Jed earlier this week in terms of what direction this team will be headed in terms of looking to be open for trades and, and what the second half represents. Does that change the way you may use him, Adbert Alzali, in the second half? Will you be more you know, uh, conservation-minded in terms of his innings and, and how to approach his starts and how often he's used? Well, I, I think, you know, our role, um, certainly, you know, David Roth and, and, and Tommy and the rest of the pitching infrastructure's role is to, to balance, um, you know, kind of the, the health of the organization in the short term and, and kind of the medium and longer term. Um, you know, I think we will need to uh, be mindful of, of Adbert's workload. Uh, I think to to claim that there is a hard cap right now uh, w- would be foolish. Um, but I think that we should, you know, I kind of come back to this idea of being creative. We should be creative with with controlling the workload, um, and that involves more than, like I said, just attaching a number to to uh, to, to his volume this season. Um, I think we have a, a, a number of, of resources available to us to uh, kind of check in on. The overall, you know, his overall health and, and, and kind of the state of his of his repertoire and pitch profiles. Um, but I think, uh, you know, we, we have to be mindful of the the broken workload from last year, the diminished workloads that, that a ton of guys are seeing um, and ensure that uh, we're, we're not being overly nearsighted, but but not that we're all but we're also not being uh, unnecessarily kind of prudent or cautious either. We're uh, talking to Craig uh, Breslow, the uh, vice president and of uh, pitching and assistant general manager of the Cubs on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, as far, uh, Craig, as far as development, sometimes we get locked into the idea that we're, we're always talking about young guys coming out of an organization, 18, 19, 20 years old, developing into major leaguers or hopefully so over a period of time. But I see your organization and others getting the Tommy Nances of the world, like you mentioned, at age 29 or 30. And uh, 
recreating their careers by uh, using uh, some of your R&D uh, situations to help them become the pitcher that they could be. Can you can you talk a little bit about Nance and, and what went into helping him become the pitcher that he appears to be right now? Sure. Well, I think one thing uh, it's important that we don't lose sight of is the fact that, that Tommy Nance has been a really good pitcher for a really long time. Uh, he's always had the ability to spin two breaking balls. He's always, um, you know, had had kind of that, that above average arm side run on a sinker. Uh, and, and he's battled some injuries, and I think what we're seeing now is a completely healthy version of Tommy. Um, you know, and, and, and his stuff took a significant step forward last year uh, during the, the, the shutdown, um, you know, where he went from a guy that, w- that was pitching at, you know, probably 91 to 93 to a guy that, that you know, we're seeing pitch at 95 to 98. Um, and, and along that uptick in power, uh, you know, there, there, there was a step forward in the, in the breaking balls as well. Um, but you're exactly right. Uh, you know, it would, be, it would be wonderful to be able to kind of predict uh, the, the, the timeline um, for development of these guys. But, you know, Tommy Nance at, at 30 um, can, can get outs in the big leagues just like, you know, a, a handful of guys at 21 or 22. And, um, you know, the, the, the life cycle of a major league pitcher uh, doesn't have a blueprint. Um, so, so we certainly accept the contributions uh, as guys are ready to make them. Craig, I think two names that Cub fans have heard a lot about in the recent uh, couple years, perhaps, and have a lot of hope invested in are Braylon Marquez and Rowan Wick. And for various reasons, you know, health-related, they have not been available. Can you give us an update on where they are and how much the, the team is counting on them moving forward? Yeah, I mean, both, both are making progress. Um, you know, obviously, uh, both are, are, are guys that, that we, we would like to count on, um, you know, for, for a while here. Uh, you know, I think Rowan, over the last probably six weeks or so, has made significant strides forward. Um, you know, would would hope that we'll see him in a competitive environment soon. Um, you know, obviously, given the the, the time off, um, we'll want to be deliberate in, in his buildup. Um, and, and, and Braylon as well, um, you know, has had a, a, a couple of pickups, um, but, but we're confident, um, you know, that, uh, that there shouldn't be anything kind of terribly long-term, um, you know, and, and, and would like to see both of those guys on the mound here pretty soon. Craig, uh, you were a successful major league pitcher for a long time, and uh, you, like all of us, are watching what's going on now with uh, the crackdown by Major League Baseball and using anything on the baseball for pitchers. Um, what, what is? Uh, I'll ask two parts to this question. What does the former pitcher uh, think of this, and how it would have affected you and other teammates? And uh, what does the uh, man in charge of pitching development in an organization think about this going forward as far as not being able to always get the proper grip on a ball that you want coming out of a hand of somebody that's thrown 98 or 100 miles an hour? Sure. Um, Well, you know, kind of tackling the first question first, uh, you know, would this have affected my career? Um, Maybe. Uh, you know, I certainly you know, kind of sought to en- enhance the, the grip that I had on a, on a baseball. But, um, you know, it, it turns out I, I very rarely wowed anyone with stuff and, and relied more on, um, you know, kind of pitch ability, the, the, uh, the ability to, to, to move a ball around and, and, and execute pitches in different, uh, you know, quadrants of the strike zone. 
Um, you know, and, and so I, I'd like to think that I would have had had time to adapt and would have had uh, the aptitude to adapt. Um, you know, as, as it relates to kind of overseeing uh, a, a pitching infrastructure here, uh, you know, I think very clearly we, we have to play within the rules. Um, you know, there's been an increase, obviously, in, in enforcement of this rule. And, um, you know, throughout the league, I think we're, we saw a little bit of an adjustment period. But I also think things are starting to normalize. Uh, and, and, and ultimately, that's a good thing. Um, you know, the, the, the rule exists. Um, you know, it's the enforcement that has been changed. But, uh, you know, we would be irresponsible if we continue to ignore it. So, you know, our, our obvious, obviously our organizational position is we're, we're going to play by the rules. Craig, tomorrow was the draft, and certainly in the next few weeks you might be welcoming some young pitching prospects into the organization. And I just wonder from a general sense, you know, every organization has a, is a mantra or a philosophy that is followed. So as you introduce new young pitchers into your organization perhaps, and in the past as you have done this, what do you tell them generally? How do you describe the Cubs' belief in pitching or what is the foundational about what makes the Cubs unique in terms of their approach to pitching or their philosophy? Sure. Well, I think the, the challenge for any uh, kind of development sleeve, uh, whether that's on, on the position player side or the pitching, pitching side, uh, you know, is, is to, to try to strike the balance between um, you know, kind of uniquely customizing or individualizing development plans with scalability across an entire organization. Um, and I think that's something that, that we've strived for and something that I think we've, we've done pretty successfully over the last year or so since we kind of overhauled our, our, our development apparatus. Um, you know, so in terms of general philosophies as it relates to, to pitching, uh, you know, I think we, we, we have focused on building out stuff at the lower levels, um, you know, kind of raising the ceiling of our pitchers and then uh, transitioning to prioritizing on-field performance. But the way that we go about doing that is absolutely unique to each player. Um, we've got a, a robust set of resources uh, across multiple departments, our, our R&D department, our high-performance department, and then, of course, uh, player development. Um, and there's been incredible collaboration and synthesis across all of those groups to identify, um, you know, what are the glaring deficiencies of each individual pitcher and how do we kind of chart the, the, the best path to, to Wrigley Field for each one of them. Craig, uh, my last question to you, and David and I really appreciate your time. I know it's always a busy time for you, in particular now with the organization and draft and all sorts of other things going on. Wondering exactly um, why there aren't more pitchers that can do what uh, Kyle Hendricks has done during his career, where uh, a guy like Kyle Davies has done successfully in his career, where maybe uh, Craig uh, Breslow did during his career, pitching to the quadrants and getting people out and uh, organizations philosophies of signing guys that throw uh, 87 to, 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 to 88 or 89 or 90 and uh, letting them develop as pitchers rather than 98 plus. Sure. So I think there's a, there are a couple of ways to, to approach that. Um, the, the first thing I would say is I believe, uh, you know, pitching from my perspective is buying margin for error. And there are a few ways to do that. Elite command is certainly one of them. Elite stuff is another one. Um, you know, I think with stuff, you have greater margin for error. That's just kind of the physics side of this. Uh, but I do think one thing uh, that, that tends to get glossed over is the fact that guys like Hendricks and, and, and Davies and Mills, uh, those, those guys have outlier traits 
um, the ability to command the ball at the, at the level that they do, kind of with the proficiency that they do, is not something, uh, you know, that, that is easy to find. And it's even more difficult to teach. I think there's this assumption that if you, if you kind of repeat the task enough, you become an elite strike thrower. But I would look at, um, you know, I would look at Kyle Hendricks' strike throwing ability through the same lens as, uh, you know, Araldis Chapman's fastball or Craig Kimbrell's fastball. Those are outlier traits. Um, and so kind of getting back to the point that I made, which, which says each pitcher is unique and our job is to kind of promote or, or uh, you know, encourage the strength and also trying to try to raise the floor. Um, trying to give everyone elite command is not necessarily the best path to making them a successful pitcher. So we have to, uh, you know, kind of run them through a comprehensive evaluation and say, you know, is, is command the right path for you? Is an increase in, in power, um, you know, the, the right path for you, or is trying to add a pitch to your repertoire? Uh, and, and, and those may come with equal likelihood, but to simply say that, you know, we'll just ask you to throw more strikes or by practicing more, you become an elite strike thrower. Um, you know, I, I don't, think that's the case i think command is one of the most difficult things to to train and especially when you know on the development side we lost a a, a year's worth of um you know having our guys in our facility and direct oversight um you know we 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 tended to push uh the development initiatives that we were more confident could be successful and those were uh you know adding pitches through through pitch design initiatives uh and, and velocity training great stuff craig thank you so much for your time good luck this weekend with the draft and the rest of the season Thank you so much. Craig Breslow, the assistant general manager for the Cubs in charge of pitching, Bruce. Really interesting way to look at the Kyle. Great question at the end by you, and then the way he explained it. You look at Kyle Hendricks and his ability to locate and command and the kinds of things that are outliers. You compare it to you know, the unique status like a, like a Raldis Chapman fastball or a Craig Kimbrell fastball, and those are the kinds of things that make him unique. Terrific perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Hendricks, and Craig was phenomenal. He's such a bright guy and, and so articulate. We love to have him on. I like to have him on even more often. But uh, speaking of uh, Hendricks, uh, before we go to the break, this guy has been the probably the best pitcher with maybe two or three others in baseball over the last two months. Yet uh, with 11 wins and that resume... He doesn't even get a uh, thought about the All-Star game. I, th- I think it's a terrible ripoff. Um, it does seem is, like that. That That's a good yeah. point, Bruce. I mean, also, he, nobody else in the majors has more than 11 victories. Yeah, it, it's him and uh, Urias from the Dodgers. That's it, you know, I think. Uh, and and he said, to, to, to um, Hendrick's credit, and he's such a phenomenal guy to uh, – to listen to after his his um, outings because he's he's so introspective about everything. He said, winning games is luck sometimes, and some of my games uh, were lucky wins, but you feel good about it no matter what because your team won the game that day. Uh, the bullpen doing a great job, he said, helped me get those wins, but those aren't always there for everybody. So so that's why you know the win statistic for guys that throw six on a common basis now is such a elusive thing and not considered quite as important. For me, going six now is like going ten. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, give me six plus and it's like you're a hero. You should get, you know, back page headlines. Throws a beauty, you know, throws a a gem. 
six innings of uh, two-run baseball. That's where we're at as far as pitching goes right now. And how about Craig Breslow, a Yale grad, complimenting uh, Kyle Hendricks, the Dartmouth guy. A lot of Ivy League love being thrown around. I feel smarter just talking about those two guys, Bruce, because of, of the way they, they talk about pitching, in Craig's case, and the way that Kyle Hendricks executes it. That's a lot of high-level uh, pitching talk going on there, I imagine, at Wrigley when those two guys get together. Well, and Breslow is not only smart, but he accomplished the same things uh, in, during his pitching career. You know, he was more yeah. of a Hendricks-type guy who it, had, a, had to concentrate on movement and command rather than velocity. And, uh, again, I, I still think it's going to take a lot of uh, fortitude for for scouting directors and general managers to continue to sign players uh, that have command, that have uh, uh, you know control over quadrants, that uh, pitch at 85, 86. I think it's, it's going to take a lot of nerve for them to continue to sign those guys who might help you for a long time in an era where you're looking for 98 and just blowing people away. When you see the top prospects drafted on Sunday in the, in the amateur draft, as we will tomorrow, when they describe them on MLB Network in the first round, the first thing they say about the first five or six pitchers taken is not going to be like, boy, look at the way he goes in and out of that quadrant. Look at his command. It's going to be like, can hit 98 if he needs to, rising fastball, you know, all these kinds of things that are shaped and veered around velocity because that's the way that uh, the game is, is, has gone that's why what thing what Kyle Hendricks does and what he continues to do consistently is somewhat remarkable. You know, this is a guy who has 10 quality starts in his last 11 outings with a team that, frankly, hasn't been very good of late. So, yeah, it's nice to see a guy like that be the exception to the rule but be as exceptional as he is. Absolutely. And uh, when we come back, we talk more White Sox. We have the opportunity to talk to Ryan Newman, the manager of Winston-Salem, and and where he plans on putting Eloy Jimenez in his line today as the uh, Winston-Salem uh, team plays two games today. Does Eloy get the bat in both? We'll find out coming back. Oh, a lot of excitement down in North Carolina, yes. Eloy Jimenez is going to play for the Winston-Salem Dash. We will talk to the Dash's manager next inside the Clubhouse Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. If they need me, and I'll do whatever, but... I still don't like the H, so keep it in mind. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock this morning. That was Eloy Jimenez talking the other day about his role with the White Sox when he returns to Chicago, but until he does, he needs to get healthy, he needs to get at bats, and that process starts tonight down in Winston-Salem with the Dash, the high A affiliate for the Chicago White Sox. And that is where we find on our guest hotline brought to you by the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, Ryan Newman, the manager of the Winston-Salem Dash, joins us. Good morning, Ryan. Welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning. Thanks for having me. How excited are you to see what you have in Eloy Jimenez and what would you say the last 24 hours have been like? Um, I am extremely excited. Anytime, uh, especially down here in the minor leagues, you put a bat like that in your lineup, uh, hopefully good things are going to happen. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a nice last 24 hours. Unfortunately, um, his start to his rehab assignment got uh, washed out last night by some rain, um, but we'll get that thing going today. And um, he's going to DH today in game one of the doubleheader. Um, and then uh, the plan is to get him in left field uh, tomorrow for seven innings. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. I was just going to ask you, uh, what's the directive, and how much conversation have you had with uh, the with uh, Larusa, the coaching staff, certainly Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams on all of this? Uh, how much uh, how much daily conversation do you expect to have with uh, those people as to his uh, continued rehab? Yeah, we are all in communication. Um, you know, they have a plan in place that uh, James Cruck and his staff has uh, put together up there in Chicago um, for Aloy's, uh, you know, rehab process. And, uh, yeah, that you know, they're, we're all getting the daily reports. Um, Carson Wooten, our trainer here, is doing a good job keeping us all updated on what exactly Aloy's doing each day. Um, and, uh, yeah, we are uh, – we're all in close contact because this is a very important piece to our lineup up there in Chicago. So um, we're excited to see him uh, get on the field tonight and uh, hopefully continue what he's done for us. 
talking with Ryan Newman, the manager of the Winston-Salem Dash here on the score. And, and Ryan, I know you got rained out yesterday. I just wonder if you have been able to observe Aloy Jimenez's swing and how fluid it may or may not look and if you can detect anything because of the injury. And, and uh, you know, obviously you've been through this before with players rehabbing, so you, you kind of are, are have a trained eye. But what kinds of things you'll be looking for specifically? Yeah, he hit in the cages yesterday. Unfortunately, we weren't able to hit on the field because of the rain. But uh, in the in the cage, his swing looked great. Um, he says he feels great. Um, he's raring to go, that's for sure. His energy is off the charts, as always. Um, but his swing looked on point. I mean, it's everything I remember from 2018 when I had him in Birmingham and, um, you know, what I've been watching on TV for the past couple of years. So I would say he's ready to go. When you talk about uh, ha- having managed him already, that, that's, a, that's a bonus for both of you as far as communication goes. But uh, <clears throat> how easy is it to um, communicate with a guy who loves to uh, play baseball every day, who loves to uh, communicate with others and has that smile on his face all the time? Um, it is, you know, especially, you know, having a, um, like you said, you mentioned uh, 2018 in Birmingham, managed him before. Um, and knowing, knowing Aloy and Aloy knowing me and, um, you know, it makes the communication process so much easier and he knows he can trust me and, um, you know, be honest with, you know, how he's feeling and, and, you know, we'll work through this process. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, he's, he's only been here for a, a day and unfortunately we got rained out, but you could already see his, uh, his energy, you know, his, his Filled over to these guys here, and they're excited. Uh, you know, he was messing around in the dugout yesterday with them during the rain delay. Um, he was excited to come out, walk out, and see fans in the stands. So, um, yeah, it, it, his smile is infectious, and, um, you know, he's, he's a pleasure to be around. He is a pleasure to be around, Ryan, and the Chicago was excited to get him back healthy. So I wonder, tomorrow, before he goes into left field for seven innings, do you have to go up to him? Do you have to remind him, Eloy, don't be a hero. You you just you want to stay healthy and in one piece and get back to Chicago in one piece. Yes, I am I will remind him, but I am sure that they have already told him to uh, you know, be cautious in left field and you know, let's look towards September, October and, and not just uh tomorrow's Sunday two o'clock game here in Winston Salem. So um yeah, but no, we're excited to see him out there and um, you know, once that once that that uh, competition and in, in his competitive nature takes over, it's going to be tough to kind of put that on a leash. But I'm sure he's aware, and I will definitely remind him. <laughs> We're talking to Ryan Newman, the manager of the uh, Winston-Salem Dash, the high A team for the Chicago White Sox, uh, getting ready to uh, play uh, a couple games today, make up a rain up, and having the debut uh, at Winston-Salem for Eloy Jimenez. And, uh, from the coaching standpoint, Ryan, how difficult is it for you to tell anybody, and you already had Eloy, to like not go full out if you don't have to or make a great dive for a play or a great throw because you're trying to protect yourself? seems like uh, it, it's kind of incompatible to uh, what players do and their instinct to compete. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's different you know, from the managing aspect, but it's also just different for Aloy and the player aspect of, you know, because 
you know, like I said, you know, once that competition takes over and then you're ready to compete, you're going to do everything you can to help your ball club. Um, but we also have to be aware that there's a bigger picture. And this is just, you know, step one in his rehab process. And, um, you know, we have to be smart about, it. you know, it's it, it down here in the, in the minor leagues, we're all about development and trying to get these guys ready for um, Chicago. And, you know, that's exactly what we're doing here with Aloy. You know, we don't want to push him and have any setbacks for him. And, um, you know, we just got to be smart, and he's got to be smart, and we'll make sure that happens. Ryan, before we let you go, there are two other guys that you work with that I'd like to know if you could give us a quick update on because they're, they're curious for a couple different reasons. But Yoki Cespedes, obviously a prospect who's down there hitting the cover off the baseball, it seems like, from afar. And secondly, the pitching coach, Danny Farquhar, who, as you know, White Sox fans will remember, overcame the, the big health scare in the dugout and now is on his way back in, in the game as a, as a pitching coach going that route. Uh, what can you tell us about those two guys? Um, so Cespedes, he is a special player. Um, and what makes him... Uh, even more fun to coach and be around is he's a special person too. He, uh, he has all the makeup qualities. Um, he plays his tail off. Um, the effort he gives on the field is tremendous. Um, the, the power you see in his bat, the bat speed, the running speed, um, his, you know, he's working back. He's been only DHing so far. He's working back from a little shoulder thing. Um, he's on our throwing program. You know, we're hoping to get him in the outfield here in the next couple of weeks after the futures game. But I mean, his arm strength is, is incredible too. I mean, this kid has all the tools and it's going to be exciting and he plays the game the right way. Um, it's, you know, I, I'm glad you asked about him because he's a fun guy to talk about. He's just a fun guy to be around. He's a great teammate. Um, and I think he's elevated the play of a lot of the other players uh, when he showed up here. So, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to watch this kid's career take off. And uh, in closing with you, and David and I really appreciate your time today, uh, how, how is Danny doing, and uh, what, what is it like uh, coaching with him on a daily basis? Danny is awesome. Danny is doing great. Uh, his health, first of all, is he's doing outstanding. He's got his family here. Um, but uh, he, uh, he is really taken to this coaching process. And um, his energy is off the charts. Um, the pitching staff has responded really well to him. They love him. Um, and I think from a game planning aspect and just, uh, you know, how to attack hitters, he has been awesome for this uh, group of pitchers out here. And, um, you know, Danny's going to be fun to watch. His, his, like I said before, his energy level is, uh, is awesome. and it's infectious. And I think it's shown with our pitching staff so far this year. Ryan, thanks so much for your time. Good luck this weekend and the rest of the season. And, and I think that it sounds like Eloy's in good hands, so uh, you can deliver him to the White Sox in a, in a few weeks' time. I will absolutely do my best. Thanks, guys. Appreciate <laughs> you having me on. Ryan Newman, the manager for the Winston-Salem Dash, the high A affiliate for the Chicago White Sox. Big weekend, Bruce. Big moment tonight, doubleheader for the Dash and Eloy Jimenez. DHing today. I think the bigger news from a Sox yes. perspective, Bruce, is he's playing left field tomorrow, seven innings of uh, anxiety for Sox. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, the reporters in both of us, uh, our, our eyebrows went up quite a bit when we heard that. My assumption, and it was obviously incorrect, was that he was going to DH for a while 
just to get his uh, legs, arms, and everything else going before you put him in the uh, the funky area of playing the outfield again. And and again, I've been one of those you know people who have watched Eloy's career from the time he was a young Cub player, and yeah. uh, knowing that staying on the field was the only challenge that this guy has because he is an all-star hitter, uh, a slugger who's already proved that he's going to be uh, a star hitter in the league. But the the other parts of the game are a challenge, and staying on the field has been the number one challenge for Eloy Jimenez. Bruce, he is an elite power bat. You look at his numbers when he is on the field and when he is healthy, and his early career numbers put him on a path that make him an elite power hitter there's no doubt about that it's not an ounce of an exaggeration there so i've said this hide his glove i don't understand playing seven innings in a class a game coming back from an injury you're trying to preserve him in it for a team that has world series aspirations so yeah my eyebrows rose and they, they they arched and they almost i almost like oh i can't believe he's playing minor league outfield why yeah well and and it's and i think it's a great uh, topic because to eloy uh he is a all-around baseball player a guy that wants to be out in the field at age 24 25 now uh, feeling that uh he can contribute best by being the left fielder on the team uh it's not our call but it's certainly uh incumbent upon us to talk about <clears throat> The reality of this guy having tremendous problems staying on the field because of injuries that incurred by him throwing his body around most of the time, either running or running into walls or climbing walls. I mean, yeah. you love the competitiveness, <laughs> you love the joy, but the yeah. end result is, I don't know. You know, it was also great to hear the positive update on Cespedes and Danny Farquhar, who had the brain hemorrhage in 2018 and is coming back. I spent some time with Danny and his family, you know, that summer after he was on his way back to the Sox. So I'd like to hear those positive updates, Bruce. Great job getting Ryan Newman on the phone with us because he shared a lot of good, encouraging news, including the surprise of Aloya Menes playing the outfield. But when we come back, Bruce, we want to play one of our favorite games now. Should he stay or should he go? We'll let you know who we're asking that about next inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. As the MLB trade deadline approaches, both sides of town have some decisions to make. So, who should stay and who should go? Should I stay or should I go now? With Bruce Levine and David Hall on Inside the Clubhouse on 670, the score. Here on the score, Bruce Devine, David Hall for the final segment. And, yes, it is that time again, Bruce. Should I stay or should I go? I'm not going to sing. I don't have your melodious voice to hit those notes. But we get the idea. Today's, today's player, should he stay or should he go? Should Chris Bryant stay or should Chris Bryant go? What say you? I say what can you get for Chris Bryant? What will uh, you uh get other than uh, weighing the qualifying offer of waiting for him to go to free agency and then uh, offering him a qualifying offer, which is, uh, in other terms, a, a contract for $19 million for one year. 
Yep. And uh, if he rejects, then you get a uh, second, third, or fourth round pick for uh, Mr. Bryant Probably from second. another team. Yeah. I'm sorry? High second. Probably a second. Depends. Yeah, depends. It, it, it depends. Uh, there are some other qualifiers in that. But nonetheless, sure. um, where do you go with uh, Chris Bryant at this point? And uh, is it incumbent upon uh, Jed Hoyer to get the most he can for him at this point? Or um, not trade him if they don't get real value back? I think, Bruce... I probably will sound as wishy-washy as I will sound on any topic when I talk about Chris Bryant, okay? Because it's imp- it's hard for me to remove that sort of sentimentality or emotion from the equation. I'm going to acknowledge that up front. It's not always that difficult for me to, to do that because I think it, you, you just have an obligation to do that most of the time. I think Chris Bryant is my favorite Cub. I think he represents a sports organization as well as any young man ever could, Right. And if you're, if you're the Cubs and you still care about winning and you're investing in the future, you're going to spend money, I still think that it would behoove you to do whatever you can within your power to re-sign him to a long-term contract. He's worth the investment, but I understand these realities, so you have to explore them. The only thing I would say about Jed Hoyer, should he stay or should he go in terms of Chris Bryan, is you have to, you have to make sure that you're getting a, a clear cut, you're winning the trade in your mind if he does go. That means top pitching prospect that means probably two other prospects that you can envision you know being guys that that are going to be major leaguers but I think the top pitching prospect is the one I would demand in return if you're trading Chris Bryant yeah I think I think it's well thought out on your part David but I don't think it's realistic uh, with two months to go in a season and six million dollars owed on his contract as of around July 31st that you're going to uh, to get as much as uh, you would in the past. I, I just don't think that uh, as as much as I believe in selling high and buying low. And Chris Bryant has had, for the most part, an outstanding season. He had that three-week period in June where he really dropped off, but uh, you know he's come back strong. Uh, and obviously, off the bench yesterday with a with a big double to drive in a few runs. Um, he can help somebody win a, 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 yeah, a pennant I, or a World Series. I agree. I agree. And, but... and if I'm the other GM, I have to say, boy, that's Chris Bryant or, or Alec Baum at, Baum at third base. I, I think Bryant can help us win a World Series. How, so, how bad um, do you want to win? I think, I, I, think he, I think he might get more than people anticipate out there. Right now, most projections are the Cubs would get a couple of high – High, uh, highly thought of prospects in other organizations, a six or an eight or a nine. But as we talked about earlier in the show, how good are those guys? How good is the organization's depth in it when it I, comes to prospects? I, it's totally you know, subjective. It's a great unknown. Yeah, it, it is. I, I look at it this way, Bruce, if I'm the Cubs. This is the way I would try to relate it to people listening. So you like where you live and you like your house. But if it's the seller's market, and you think somebody talks you into the idea, well, you know what? You might want to see what you get for your house if you put it on the market. And you put a for sale sign in the front yard, and you get blown away by an offer. All of a sudden, you're moving. And you may not want to move. And you may not feel like it's you're, you're kind of uncertain. You're, you're, you're cautious, and you don't know if it's the right move. But you're moving anyway because you got an right. offer you just could not refuse. I want Jed Hoyer to say yes to Chris Bryant in terms of a trade. Only if he gets an offer he can't refuse. 
because then it makes sense for the next great Cub team, as he put it. Because if he wants to think in those terms, you could also justify paying Chris Bryant in the offseason to be part of the next great Cub team. But if you're going to trade him, you better get some great prospects in return. Well, I'll, I'll turn that around on you, David, by saying uh, how badly would it impact uh, them being able to sign Chris Bryant to an extension if you traded him to Philadelphia and he becomes a free agent in November? Uh, is that is that separation permanent in the mind of the player, in the mind of the team, uh, in the mind of the franchise? Are you uh, are you able to go back and uh, you know do an Aroldis Chapman like the Yankees did, trading him to the Cubs? them winning a World Series and then immediately signing him to a five-year, $85 million contract after the season. Is that, is that a possibility with Chris Bryant? Or is there, is there too much uh, he said, she said in this relationship for that to occur again? I think it's more realistic. I think, both, I think it's unrealistic, to the, the short answer. I think it's more realistic to think that you could probably sign him once he goes to free agency and outbid whoever's trying to bid against you than it is to think that he would come back to you because when you leave a team and they trade you, especially a player that you draft and develop and you win with, and then you trade him, I think mentally you're divorced. And I think mm-hmm. it's very difficult to go back and to say, all right, I, I want to reopen this door that I painfully closed just a few months ago. And I think that would factor in in a way that's very hard to articulate and relate to, but I don't think it's something to ignore. So I think that's far-fetched, and I think it would be, yeah, Chapman did it. There have been other players who have tried, but it's the exception, not the rule. You know, that's interesting. It reminds me of a conversation I had with Greg Maddox when uh, he had a no-trade with the Cubs and the Dodgers wanted, uh, wanted him, and Jim Henry came to him and said, will you waive your no-trade? And I said to Maddox, why did you do it? You wanted to stay with the Cubs. He said, if any GM or front office person comes to a player who has a no trade and asks them if they want to be traded, they should say yes, because that means they don't want them with them any longer. And it's time for you to move on. I thought it was a tremendous perspective by Maddox. And I think it, it also uh, solidifies something that you just said about once you trade a, a player, he's divorced from... Um, from you and in most cases mentally it's permanent and we hear the joy in chris bryant's voice and have heard it throughout the years about how much he loves being a cub if that is no longer the case and he's an ex-cub can you really revisit that you never you you can't go back again You, you i don't know that you can go home again that quickly bruce maybe one day but not in a couple months Adam Stadzinski, a job well done always as our producer. We thank Craig Breslow, assistant general manager of the Cubs. Ryan Newman, the manager of the Winston-Salem team, talking about Eloy. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, writing Cubs and Sox every day at MLB, uh, MLB Bruce Levine at, at uh, gmail.com. Bruce, great job today. Great job all week. Keep up the good work. We will talk to you next week on the Mullen Haw Show. I'll be there Monday morning, 5 o'clock, as always. Thanks for listening on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 The Score. Saturday Suckage is next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.